Originally we were planning on working through the Dafyomi, starting from the Mishnah and Alpha and Bays. But unfortunately we're going to switch topics this morning. Take a look at Moit Cotton, Chafez Amabez. Three lines from the bottom. Tanur Abonan. Chacham Shemes Beis Midrasho Batel. A Chacham, Trashi, defines a little bit earlier in the Sugya. Mamuno al Ha'ir, Shemavakshim, Mimeno Hara. Someone who's appointed in the city. To give guidance, people seek out his guidance, his Torah guidance, his wisdom of Torah. What's the halacha? A chacham who passes away, his base medrash is bottom. His house of study is closed, does not engage in Torah study. Uh, what does it mean, base midrasha? Those that were accustomed to learn Torah from his mouth. What does it mean, base midrasha? Who is the base midrash of a chacham? that is meant to pause and desist from learning Torah. Rashi says it's referring to those that in his life were accustomed regularly to seek out the Torah to learn from his mouth. Other interpretations also. Kipshuto, his midrasha, his house of study, where he was based. Why should this be? Why should Talmud Torah be put on hold on account of the death of a Chacham? Take a look in the Mukeo stage. Basically, quoting the Rabban. Pirish Kol Shiva. So how long should the base medrash be bottled? During the Shiva process, the week of mourning. The fee Shemaspidin also. What should be the focus? Is Hespid. Eulogize. The base medrash, the students, Talmidim of this Chacham, should focus their attentions on eulogy. Vein Oskin Betara Bebes Midrasha Kadesha Loyis Atzlu Mehespeda. And the reason why they do not engage in Talmud Torah in this Chacham's base Midrash is in order to ensure that the Talmidim do not become lazy, literally, but that they, they don't. The concern is that the Talmidim may not give the full attention to Hespid that the Chacham deserves. 
This is specifically his base madrash. But other batimidrash, <coughs> other batimidrashas are osik batera. They do continue in the learning. He quotes Rashi, who appears Rashi, the base midrasho, osin shahi ragilan lil matermipiv. Base madrash means his base madrash are his talmidim. Now, doesn't mean they have to be ruin, these talmidim. Doesn't mean they have to be fitting to be his students. There could be a huge gap between them and their Rebbe. But what does it take to be included in Talmidim? The people that sought out his Torah. That's all that's necessary. How much they actually absorbed of it, that's not what this halacha depends on. It's brought in Shulchan Aruch, Paskin, right? The Rif, it's, it's brought down all the way. Aruch Shulchan. Kosova Raivitzal, Sovdin also Kol Sheva. The Achara has been ain't Talmud of Miskabtin, a base Midrashon. El Mishabrin, Shnaim Shnaim, Bibotehem, Lomdim. So the Rabbit explains Hespid does not take the entire period. It's not something that consumes the entire day. However, it's what's done in the base medrash of the Chacham. And after the Hespid, the eulogizing, has com- concluded for that day. So they do go and study, but not in the base medrash. They gather two by two, Chavrus of Hairs, in their own homes, and they learn there. So it's not that Tara's study ceases, but the focus in the public sphere in the base Madrash is on Hespid. Who's called Mavakesh Termipiv? Ragilan Lilmod Termipiv. I'll tell you, when I was in Yeshiva, I was interested in learning Kol Tarkula, very ambitious. I'm still interested in learning Kol Tarkula. And some of my chaverim had learned <clears throat> by Abdavid Soloveitchik. And this is something that I wanted to do. I felt that I wanted to learn Kli Rishon. I wanted to be able to learn Kajim from somebody who had received it directly more than anybody else that I could think of in the world. And I could think of no better person to learn Kajim than by Rabbi David Soloveitchik. Now, I wasn't really at a stage in my life that I thought would be appropriate to learn Kachim. To be quite frank with you, Kachim is lower on the list than things that are more practical. Bismanazeh. Had I gone through all the other Siddharim, or at least the more practical ones, that now I should focus on Kachim? Unfortunately, the answer 
was no. But I felt that I had an, a narrow window of opportunity to learn Kodshim, Kli Rishon, from Abdavid Soloveitchik. I knew he did not take students who had already been married, so I was already getting on in years. Now was my opportunity. If I wanted to learn Kodshim by him, by him, I had to go now. I was learning in Tars Moshe at the time, and I decided, okay, uh, I'll try. So he's not the easiest person to get into. And the first three times I went, after waiting and waiting, finally getting in, I, I was told Rashiva's not available now. He said, not now, come, come back another time. I, I was somewhat discouraged, I will admit. You know, with all the waiting and the trepidation. The fourth time, when I got into him, there were always lines around his house, at his door. During, during the hours that he was uh, accept, accepting members of the public. The fourth time, he told me to go to his son of Bevelville. Okay? So I went to Bevelville, and also a long line waiting. Finally, I got in to speak to Bevelville, and he asked me what I'm learning. I was learning Hulin at the time. I said, over Shtikultero. Then I'm at Fine, okay. He told me to go back to the Rosh Hashiva. <laughs> okay, no idea where things are headed here. So I, come, I go back to the Rosh Hashiva. Okay, don't, don't worry, there is another line waiting for me. <clears throat> and the Rosh Hashiva said, if you want to learn by me, you have to learn by me. I said, of course I want to learn by the Shiva. He said, okay, good. So you have to agree, accept upon yourself, that you will not begin Shaduchim, you will not enter into Shaduchim for five years. I was a bit taken aback. I said, five years? It's a long time. Um, young man, not that young. I, I said, I wasn't expecting that, but Said, I don't really feel I can answer that question without speaking to my father, to my Rebbe. So he said, do whatever you have to do. That's the deal. If you want to come to my yeshiva, that's the deal. <laughs> so I, I did. I, I spoke with my father. He said, that's what you think you should do. So he's fine with that. I spoke with Rabbi Fassman, Allah Shalom, Rosh Kolo, Los Angeles. Who I learned with. And he said, you should agree. You should be willing. He said, he's not going to hold you to it. But you should agree. Okay. So, fine. I went back. The seventh time. Tarab David, 
And when I came in, I said, okay, Makabal, if that's what the Rashiva wants, then that's fine. He didn't want anybody coming into his yeshiva to, to snag a little shiny metal on their lapel saying, I learned in brisk, on their, uh, on their stopover to, to Lakewood Yeshiva. That's, that's what he didn't want. He says, if you really want to be learning my Torah, when I learn Kachin, so be here. It's not about Shidduchim. Okay, so he said that's fine. He pulled out his, his paper, interesting, unusual shaped paper. Pulled out his pen. He asked me my name. I told him. I made to sure I made sure to say Halevi. Let him know, of course, that we're family. And that was it. I was in the ledger. I was in Yeshiva. So that was Baruch Hashem, the first step. But to learn Torah, Mepiv, that took much more. Because once I was in Yeshiva, you have to realize there's a big base Medrash, and the place where he gave Shir, a few blocks away, was not so big. And it couldn't hold everybody. So only the people who had been in Yeshiva for a while typically were able to go to hear Shir and actually learn Torah from the Rosh Yeshiva. At that point, most Bachrim started learning by Rebbevel, by his son Rebbevel, and, I don't know, a year or two, and then go to Rebbevel. That was the standard, as people would start by Rebbevel. But you had to ask. You had to ask either way. Otherwise, what you had rights as a member of yeshiva officially, now being in the ledger, there's no seat for me necessarily. There are bachrim <clears throat> that had been accepted in yeshiva that didn't have room in yeshiva. They were learning in other bate medrash nearby. So what did it actually mean? There's no dorm. There's no kitchen. It means that in theory, eventually, you could get into shir, hopefully. But at, at least there was a, a tzipoy, a hope. So, fortunately for me, one of my chavrusas got engaged. This is, uh, I don't know, some months later, maybe half a year later. So he got engaged. And he's going to go to America for nine weeks. So I said, perfect. This is my opportunity. The whole reason why he can't take people into Shir is because he doesn't have room in the Shir. But my Chavrusa is in the Shir. So now I have a reason to come and ask the Rosh Hashiva to come into Shir. So I did. I went. Of course, after the line, I asked him. I said... Mechavrusa, Yisrael Meir Edelman is going to America for nine weeks. I know there's no room in the Shir room, but at least maybe during this Kufa, I can come to Shir. So, 
He said, if somebody's in the shear, they don't have the ability to give that schluss to somebody else. So, first, make it clear, don't think that even though he has a seat in the shear, that that's transferable. He can't give that to you. <laughs> so, I want to make it, make it very clear. That's not something that you can be zocha from him. But he heard the taina, and he said, I'll think about it. Okay, great. So, about a week went by, and I decided that that's probably enough time for him to think about it. I went back, I asked him again. I said, have you thought about it? He said, don't ask me again. I'll let you know. I was quite nervous. And to understand why, you have to realize I have two chavrusas that never made it to share. One of them was told, and he never got into Shia. And the other one, even though he had a schuss to sit in base medrash, but he was never given a schuss to go to Shia. That's just what happened. He tried, was not able to. The other chavrusa that I had, apparently, at least the way he told me, is that the Rosh Hashiva perceived his requests as too aggressive, and he did not let him into shape. Unfortunately, so. I remember that eventually he, he left, he went back to Canada. He did not stay in yeshiva. He came to learn about David, but it didn't work. He was not able to. So I yashened his, uh, his seats. Right? In terms of where to sit, not everybody had a seat in base medrash. Okay, because I was his chavrusa, so I got the seat. When he left, I, I got those seats. So, worked out. Later I learned with actually his younger brother. In any event, so I was certainly nervous, knowing that, that it was, the fact that I was in yeshiva did not mean I was going to shir. And that's what I wanted to do, is to go to shir. With one chavrusa that was told, not a chance, and the other chavrusa, was told, too aggressive, you're not coming to Shia. So when the Rashiva told me, don't, don't come back, now, if I let you into Shia, I'll, I'll let you know. So, okay, that, that was, uh, I was concerned. Did Rashiva think that I was being too aggressive? Should I have given him more than a week? I didn't know what the protocol would be. I, I had a plan, by the way. We're learning Kodshim. Nagead to the Daf, actually. The Mishnah. I figured, yes, I'm only asking for these nine weeks. But, there's a din. Im olu lo yerdu. If something was brought on the Mizbeach, even if it wasn't fitting to go on the Mizbeach, you don't take it down. So that was my plan. If he agreed, <laughs> then I was going to come up with a, a Taina in Kodshim that I was already in Shir, he shouldn't kick me out. That was my, uh, my plan. The Tiferes Yisrael explains in our Mishnah that's why there's a chiv chatos on something that normally would be considered mekalka. That yishecht in a way that's not good. So it should be mekalka. Why do you have a chiv chatos? Why are you liable for a carbon if it's not fitting? 
So Tzfer Sashol explains, because in a certain sense it's fitting, if it did go onto the altar, you won't take it down. So it's enough of a tikkun, this type of shechitah. Okay, so in any event, about a week later, actually around Tubishvat, Rashiva came into Beis Medrash. And when the Rashiva came into Beis Medrash, large Beis Medrash, everybody stood up. Tell Rashiva made his way to his seat. And then when he got ready to leave, everybody stood up until he made his way out. So sometimes he would spend most of the time learning, sometimes he would hang out by the entryway. He, he, uh, I don't know what he was doing necessarily at this time, but he was hanging out by the entry, not of the building, but to the base matters. There's a, like an entryway to the building and then another entry into the base matters. He was hanging out by the entry of the base matters. And he asked somebody to call me. So I ran. What does Rashiva want? And he said, you can come to Shia, but standing room only. There's no place for you to sit. Okay, I was elated. I was able to come to Shia. The Baruch Hashem, so I stood until Pesach. And after Pesach, he let me sit. That's, that was when I was able to sit. Slowly, through the years, he moved my seat. <clears throat> I never asked him to move my seat, but eventually he moved me to the tish on the right side of where he sat. You know, certainly it's something that was uh, very prized territory. I know across the way from me, there are two people that wanted to sit there, and the Roshiva said they can make a girl. So who could sit there? Okay. So in any event, Ochera, Osen Shahu Ragil and Lil Motarmi Piv. So Baruch Hashem, I was Ochet to learn to go to him, to Hashir twice a week for about 11 years, a little more. So, to, to let you know what happened, I did not have to wait the full five years, as Rabbi Fassman said. So he was correct. Chacham Adif Minavi. And not too much longer after that, every month, Bachram would come to the Rosh Hashiva for Chalukah. He'd actually give a stipend to all the Talmidim. And it's, a, it's an interesting thing. He, there's, there's no tuition. Of course, if you have what to support the Yeshiva, you know, assuming that he knows it's coming from a kosher place, he'll take it. But not only that, he, he gave the Bachram some some money to cover some of their expenses. So, one month I'm 
waiting in the line to get to Rosh Hashiva. And the guy in front of me was a chassan. And when the Rosh Hashiva came out, he was very happy that this Bachar became a chassan. And he said to me also, you could also become a chassan. Okay, this is very good news. And I had been, I had gone out before, but I put it on hold because I told Rosh Hashiva that I'm, you know, accepting five years, fine. So once he gave me Rishos, fine, okay. Not long thereafter. First opportunity. My friend, Rabyanti Burstein, gets a call. Girl wants to meet him. She came in for a wedding from America and thinks it's a good shidduch. Baruch Hashem, the rest is history. So, there's a good bracha from Rosh Hashiva. I also became a chassan. Baruch Hashem. There's different, different things about the Rosh Hashiva. So, he, he was a person that was of relatively small stature, physically. But he seemed towering, awesome. I remember one time that my Chavrusa came in, 9.15. Now, Yeshiva officially starts at 9 o'clock. And he was there at 9.15. And when he came in, he was shaking. I said, what's going on? He said, the Rashiva's on patrol. He's standing out by the entryway and berating people for coming late. He was late. Now he has his cane. It serves as a club as well. And boy, my Chavrusa got it. And he said, I don't really understand. He's standing there now at 9.15. But come at 10 o'clock, there are people that are still walking in at 10 o'clock. And they're just going to come in smooth, no problem. I'm coming in much earlier than these guys. And I'm getting hit. I mean, not literally hit, but certainly <laughs> feeling the, uh, the Musa over here. Why are you late? So I explained to him, the guy who's coming in at 10 o'clock doesn't think that he's on time. He has an excuse. He doesn't have an excuse. There's no illusion over here. Nobody thinks Yeshiva starts at 10 o'clock. But you're coming at 9.15. Yeshiva starts at 9. And you think that you're on time. So Yeshiva's going to let you know you're not on time. That's the chilek. That's the difference. There's no, there's no mashkiach in brisk. But there's Yeshiva fulfilled to a degree that role. Besides, Motoshabbos Shirim. 
in Shir. He didn't want the Shir recorded. And he was Machmed, Machmed on who should hear the Shir. And I remember one time, my sister lives in Ramat Shemesh. She called me. And the phone was silent. I just wanted to let her know that I'm in Shir. I didn't think she's going to be listening to the Shir. Just that she'll hear that she was speaking, that she'll know I'm in Shir. I can't talk right now. So I opened up the, the phone line so that she would be able to hear the Shir. Of course, under the table by Tish. And suddenly the Rashiva stops talking. This is interesting. <laughs> He's not talking. I just wanted my sister to hear him say some words that she understands I'm a sheer. And the whole place is packed. And he's stopped talking. So it was a long time. Probably around 30 seconds, I finally decided to just hang up. <laughs> and then the Rashiva continued. <laughs> so it's not like I answered the phone in a particularly uh, egregious manner. I I'm sure he didn't see. But so does Somehow he knew. Somehow he stopped. He didn't want other people hearing the shear. He didn't want. Even if they're not hearing the shear, just, just hearing the shear, but not listening to what he's saying. Somehow, that's what happened. That's what he wanted. So, Sarasham Lirav. Before Shir started, so when he would sit down, everybody would come into the Shir room, and then he would come out of his private room off the Shir room. Walk, make his way to the shear, to, to his seat by Tish, by the table. And then he would sit down. And the way he would sit down had a, a particular look, to me at least. I don't know if other people had the same perception, but he looked like a little boy. The way he looked before shear. Imagine him sitting in front of the brisk rod. That's what it looked like. Like a little boy in front of his father. Certainly not like the awesome, terrifying Rosh Hashiva that I would say was the, the dominant perception. But at that point, that's how I perceived him. One time, he had something by his front door, a mat, and it had somehow, with the traffic, gotten put out of place. It wasn't, it wasn't where it should be. 
So people are trying to get out and people are passing by. But I, I saw this problem and I fixed it and continued on my way. And Shiva after, I'm not sure how he saw her, was aware, but he called out after me. He could learn. He could learn. The guys next to me said, what's going on? That's what Shiva talking about. He's giving me a tremendous bracha. What's going on? So, Mestomo, he was being mavarech. Derech Eretz called Melotero. It was not Derech Eretz for their Shiva. Don't, don't step by. You see there's a, something that's not Meyushuv. So Baruch Shem Azochet to see it, fix it, before I continued. Roshiva appreciated that. Gave a tremendous bracha. Baruch Hashem. Had tremendous siyat to to be able to learn. Other people had different experiences. I, I have a friend of Tali Zaks. He told me that he had a Rebbe that said, be careful when you go, you're going to Reb Dovitz, be careful. Because what he says is not a joke. He told me when I left, he was upset that I left. He said, you're not going to have Menucha. You're going, you're not going to have Menucha. He said, Kachave. I've been going from Shteller to Shteller, going from place to place. I haven't settled down anywhere. And she was not unhappy with me when I left. So be careful. Don't, don't get on his bad side. <laughs> don't. Shiva was extremely makbid about money coming into Yeshiva. Where is it sourced from? He did not accept any money from Medina Yisrael, the state of Israel. Even though it was available, he could have accessed it, would have made things easier for him. But he was concerned that any money coming to support the terror that's taking place in his base medrash should be clean money. And but did he have it over? I came back, I think it's after Pesach, in Los Angeles, and somebody had given me money to give to the Rosh Hashiva, and he was grilling me. Who is this guy? Do I know him? Do I know his business? He wanted to make sure that this is somebody that is engaged in honest living. He wanted to make sure that he's not accepting any money to support the yeshiva, that's not kosher. Not 100% kosher. And that, that's something that is very makbid about. I told him, I said, I, I know this person for many years, and I'm, I'm not directly involved in his business, as a shame, as Adam Kasher. So he was macabre, but not, not just, uh, oh great, you brought me a check, wonderful. Very careful, very cautious.
מהמנהריים. See that Shiva standing. It's really Doma, the Malach Hashem Tzavakos. It's a sight to behold. It's a very private person. At times that he describes Describe things in a manner that really gave a person pause, made a person think. Excellent educator. And one time he said, there are only two people in the world that really understand what the flaw is with Zionism. Now that, that he was opposed to Zionism is no secret. And Adarabha, the, the fact that he described it as something that most people, overwhelming majority, did not understand his opposition to Zionism really made made me think. I'm sure it made many of us think. And it doesn't mean he changed his opinion, but he was saying it's not something that is easily understood. I'll go on a limb and say that he was one of the two people, and I'll go on another limb and say I was not the second one. Right? He, he was saying, most people don't understand. I, I think that that's really very much, not just in, in Yonaya Olam, but, but in Terra also. It's Derech and Terra. It was not always to give an answer, but to raise the question. He didn't go on to explain to us so that the group of people understood should be greater than two. He didn't do that. But he opened up our eyes to realize it's not so simple. And maybe we don't understand, even if we think we do. All the time. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. Is not unusual, not surprising at all. Shiva very easily, regularly would declare that he did not know. And that didn't mean he didn't have a mahalach or a theory or ten. But his fidelity to the MS led him to try and always keep things open in a way that he wouldn't become petrified in error. 
a very beautiful hashkafa that he conveyed to us in so many ways. And he lived it. He conveyed it through his own approach time and time again. Uh, a wonderful person. From, from another dar. He's almost 100 years old. He, he witnessed the Jewish people through so much. But just looking at him was like a window into into the past, into history. Just a, a sense of a very different existence. So... It's a loss for Kali Yisrael, it's a loss for Talmidim. That is Hashem. Tchis HaMesim. Bizochet. Tzidur Shishivo. Immediately. From the Tzadikim.